Hey guys, this is Ken Kobrick bringing you another success story of people who tell us about the journey to how they got to where they are now. Today I'm talking with Mickey Smith and he is a retired assistant team leader for Chesterfield County, Virginia SWAT. He's also the resource of the tactical resource officer and the first one ever in the county. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. Tactical resource officer. Cool. I don't have a tongue this early in the morning. I apologize. Uh, Mick, thanks, uh, thanks a ton, man, for being here with us today. And we're going to make this real easy. Uh, people are going to want to know how in the world did you get to be a SWAT guy? And how long has it been since you actually knew you were going to be a cop? And what happened in that time? Well, you know, when you're, when you're a child, you watch a lot of TV, you know, back in the 60s and all that. And uh, I always believed in the white knight, you know. There's always the person who's going to protect everybody. And uh, going through high school and all that, never had any brushes with the law or anything like that. And uh, took my test for the Army. I went in the Army first. Scored very high, and they said, you can do anything you want. My uncle was a recruiter, and we talked about it. He said, well, you know, you can do anything you want in the military. What do you want to do? I said, I'm not sure. And uh, the recruiter who was standing there next to him says, well, you could be a cop if you wanted to be, because that's how high your, your score is. I said, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So I just decided at that point that I was going to do it. And I uh, went through the Army school, 16 weeks, eight weeks of basic, eight weeks of police school, and uh, became a uh, MP for three years. Mick, where did you take basic? Uh, Fort McClellan, Alabama, yep. in July. It was hot. Oh, man. Yeah, it was pretty hot. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it, was, it was a good time down there. I lost a little bit of weight from it, came back, and... Uh, for three years, I was a cop. I ended up being a uh, desk sergeant, one of the one of the military bases. So I would sit there and send people out on patrol and all that. And I was required to report all the things that happened that on that shift for the military. And after three years of that, I decided it was time to stay at home because they told me if I re-enlisted, I'd go to Korea to a missile silo site. Well. At that point in time, all the MPs who were over the missile silos, very boring, and they would get into trouble. They'd be doing drugs, drinking too much, and that's just not what I wanted to do. Too much temptation. Too much temptation. My mother was an alcoholic and uh, kind of pushed me away from any things with alcohol or drugs. So that was important to me. So at the end of my three years, I went right into a, uh, a, a guard unit and flew around in helicopters for three years for something different to do. And uh, enjoyed that. During that time, I applied for the Chesterfield Police and got hired. Went through the academy starting in April of 81 and uh, spent two more years on, in the guard unit. And then after that, I just got out of the guard unit after a total of getting my six years in. So it, it was a good time. Mick, has, has there, in the whole time you've been... How long have you actually been in SWAT? 24 years. 24 years. Yeah, the longest time of anybody on the department. Now, most people, you know, grew up with the show SWAT and whatnot. And tell everybody, what exactly does SWAT stand for? Well, SWAT stands for Special Weapons and Tactics. Okay. And uh, basically what they say is when the police call 911, who do they call? Okay. So they call us, you know. So pretty much what the police can't handle 
that's what you guys do. Right. Well, in the earlier days, most of the patrolmen weren't trained in the things that we do. But mm -hmm. now they're trying to have more patrol officers train. They train them with, uh, with patrol rifles and things like that, give them more tactics, try to teach them some more things. Because once you uh, push the button for SWAT, the money starts rolling out because you're paying all these guys who are off duty time and a half to come out and, uh, and do the job. Okay, I see how that works. And so, am I correct in assuming that a regular policeman compared to a SWAT person, you got, you can repel, you can climb through stuff. There, there's a whole lot more going on than just walking in and serving a warrant or arresting something or even shooting at somebody. There's a whole level of training that you guys do. It's way, way past normal police work. Is that oh, a, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. We get all the bells and whistles. We get all the specialized toys, the specialized uh, weapons. At one time, our SWAT team had more ammunition than a third world country did. Wow. So, and... Uh, a lot of people don't know about SWAT teams because the counties try to not talk about them too much, you know? Yeah, you don't want to divulge your best secret for... Well, not so much that. You can get those secrets in books yeah. and internet and things like that, but it's the personnel that really makes it. Oh, right. Yep. And becoming a SWAT member is not an easy thing. People say, well, I'm going to go to be a policeman and be a SWAT guy. Well, that's not how it works. you got to start at the bottom you got to show everybody that you're a good police officer. You've got to have good reviews and things like that. And you can't be overweight. You can't be one of these guys who sits there to go to the donut shop and has a donut or anything like that and gains a lot of weight. Because before you even get a chance to become a SWAT officer, you've got to test for it. And that's, that's a pretty rigorous thing. And uh, it basically starts with uh, letters of recommendation from supervisors and things like that. You have to have a certain minimum number of years before you can even apply. What is that? How many is that? Well, when I was there, you had to be there at least three years. Okay. You know, they may have changed it by now, but normally it's a three-year stint before you can even apply for SWAT. Right. And uh, you interview with a panel. You do a PT test. They look at your shooting scores and things like that. They look at your driving. They look at your internal affairs. They look at everything about you to make sure that you're the best of the best. You know, they don't want just anybody doing it. So the SWAT guys are pretty much the A guys. You know? And it's always been historically that most SWAT guys, they end up getting promoted to supervisory positions and things like that. So that makes it interesting for a lot of the guys too. Some of them use it as a way to further their career and some of them do it for the love of it. What do you do? What'd you do it for? Well, I did it for the love of it. There you go. You know? They gave me fast cards, and I got to shoot a lot of guns. Oh, golly, you know? perfect. Yeah. It was good, you know. Mick, of all the, in all the years that you've encountered people, uh, has there ever been a situation where you really thought, wow, I'm in, I'm in a tight spot. Um, I might not get out of this. Have you ever been in a really scary situation with your, with your team and doing a warrant or something? Has there ever been a, one that stands out in your mind? Well, you know, they all blend together after a while, yeah, Ken. Yeah. The problem is, you know, when we first started, we'd get called out once or twice, three times a year. When I retired, we were getting called out every three to four weeks. Wow. Because the whole society has just gotten a little bit crazy and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, drug raids, things like that. Uh, you, 
you just trust your guys with you. You, yeah. you always trust the guy behind you and I, the guy in front of you. I guess it's kind of like, you know, when we're driving down the road at 55 or 60 miles an hour on a two-lane road, the, really the only thing separating us is this yellow line painted. So you have to have faith and trust that the oncoming drivers will stay in their lane. I guess the same thing if you're going through a door, you know that the guys around you, in front of you, behind you, they've got your back no matter what. If you have that undying faith and trust, I guess it makes your job, you're really not thinking about, I'm going to die, you've got to get the job done. Well, the thing of it is, people have got to realize one thing. Every day is a blessing. You don't know what's going to happen the next day. I always tried to be the first guy through the door because I didn't have any children, so I could go through the door and be the first one in case something really bad happened, but I knew the guys behind me would take yeah, care of business. That's bold. No, it was just... I'm saying, though, that, that that's a bold personality. That's a, And I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I don't have a better adjective for that, but that's above and beyond. That That's cool. Well, you know, the thing of it is the county did a lot of things for me. They sent okay. me all over the country. They taught me specialized things. I've met some people in the world that have been world-class shooters, world-class SWAT guys. You know, we trained with LAPD. They came out here and gave us basic training and things like that and oh, got wow. us on the right, right foot. And uh, I was there when the team was only 10 people. We only had 10 people on the team. We, we had an old... Uh, old truck and this and that and everything we had was just basically hand-me-downs you know and now most of your SWAT teams are cutting edge things like that how many what's how many guys are on a team nowadays typically uh i think we've got 26 holy cow yeah that's... oh yeah but then again the jurisdiction's gotten bigger yeah that's true yeah. and things like that plus and when you think about that's for chesterfield just for Chesterfield. and you don't you don't go into richmond i mean unless there's something happening in need outside but typically you're in chesterfield well we've we've gone to outside jurisdictions yeah. before to assist them all, all they have to do is ask okay you know well you think about chesterfield is a pretty large county so that's really not that many people in an extreme situation so. right um, and you don't always get all the people every time you set the pace. Somebody on. might be sick. Somebody's somebody's on vacation. Yeah, another side of the world. Somebody's sick. Okay. Somebody's out of the county, out of the state. Mm -hmm. So 26, if you get all 26 on a call, you've really done something. You know, it's funny because I remember, and there's a new SWAT program now. Uh, I forgot the name of the guy who plays it. It's a takeoff from the original SWAT series. But you look at the original SWAT series. And it's funny, the trucks, you know, and all the, the plain uniform. Now, you guys, I mean, you can't even see a guy in there. You're covered head to toe. you got awesome tech. And I'm a techie big time. So I really love how all the stuff you guys have, uh, built-in GPS, cameras, I mean, everything. And that's really neat to see that. I love, I don't know, I have a morbid thing going on, but I love watching, you know, SWAT guys coming out of the back of a truck and, and doing stuff. I, I just like tech gear like well, that. Well, we had a... Uh... Lucky for us, we had a police chief who was really big into technology, and our SWAT team was one of the very first ones to ever, ever test out a room radar system. Oh, wow. It looked like a big box. You put it on the side of a wall, and you could see it would give you the radar impression of That's everybody crazy. inside. That's amazing. That's something right out of TV. I've seen stuff like that on TV, on Mission Impossible and things like that. Oh, yeah. And it really exists. We had it. That's right. amazing. We were the very first ones to have That's it. That's amazing. But that, you know, technology is a wonderful thing, but it's still boils down to the guy the guy because you know everybody's trained with heavy weapons and things like that but everybody's got to be good at everything they do you got to push that button to make that tech work and you oh, have yeah. to be intuitive and have that instinct to watch your buddies back no matter how much tech you got hanging on your butt oh yeah 
Um, it averages 100 pounds okay. of stuff you're carrying. Yeah, that's similar to what I did in the Army, except I didn't have the tech you had. It was a, a backsack full of oh, yeah. uh, junk just to walk. Oh, yeah. Well, things have changed, you know? Yeah. Mick, this has been kind of enlightening because not only have you made, obviously, a lifelong career of this, but it has, in my opinion, enriched your life with the experiences you've had and the travels and meeting of people. So it's not just about serving the law and serving the county, it's actually enriched your life. And I think you have probably enriched way more people than have enriched you. I got a feeling just from knowing you, uh, what a good person you are and, and watching out. I think a lot of things are going on now with cops, good and bad, but when you look at the majority of people, there's just a few that always make the bad seem like it's overwhelming. And I know cops, you can't be a cop and be a hater or someone doesn't care about people. It's just the nature of it. And I think you typify that. You are the epitome of that, in my opinion. And if, if, if you were standing toe to toe with a young person, whether it be a male or a female, and they're fresh out of the academy or fresh out of college, and this is what they want to do, what would you tell them? Well, I think they need to realize it, it begins before that, okay? Social media is a big killer of people getting into police work, you know? They post stupid things on social media and they must remember, it's always gonna be there, somebody's gonna be able to find it. And That's if right. you apply for the police department or the state police or anything like that, they're gonna ask you for your Facebook password yep. and things like that. <laughs> and a uh, few policemen in this count, at least one or two of them, have been fired because of their uh, Facebook post or what they what they said they, they believed in. Oh, I'm sure. So That's indicative of your personality. Oh, yeah. And the thing of it is, you know, heavy foot, you know, lots of tickets and all, that can kick you out too. So can your credit, you know. You've got to be responsible for what you do. You know, everybody says, well, anybody can be a cop. Very few people apply and get picked for it, even though it's a hard job right now. Yeah. And uh, video, you know, everybody's got a video camera, this and that. And uh, depending on the angle you use, it, it can look good, it can look bad. It can look bad, yeah. But uh, that probably is the best. I've asked this question over and over from different people I've interviewed. And uh, I'll get an answer that's great, um, but it's almost like be motivated and because you're going to get knocked down, stand back up. But that piece of advice you gave is actually workable and real because people forget Right now, it's no longer social media. It's part of our lives. And employers, no matter whether it be a, a, a academy or a police department looking to hire you or Walmart, they're going to look at your social media. That's where everything begins. So you're exactly right. If you're going to do this, you better start early and think about how you're projecting yourself on social media and everything. Oh, yeah. Like we, we have an explorer group where kids who are interested in police work can. It's a Boy Scout type group. They, police explorers, they can, they can join that. They can be in it till they're 21 years old. Oh, that's great. So that's something that we've, we've gotten a lot of good police officers from the Explorers because a lot of those people are second generation, third generation. And we've got a few of those in the department right now. Third generation police. That's excellent. Oh, yeah. That's excellent. Mick, this has been a little more enlightening than I thought it was going to be. And folks, this is a side note. I got to tell you, I'm probably one of the luckiest people in the world because not only do I know Mick and I consider him a friend, but he lives across the street from me and he'll get to my place before 911 will. <laughs> Mick, thank you for your time today. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we go? Well, you know, people ask all the time, what was the greatest thing you ever got out of being a policeman? 
And I said, well, you know, there were days that were great. There were days that were terrible, you know. But there's always another day, you know. And no single day is the same. If, you, if, you're, a road, if you're a street policeman or a detective, no day is the same. You know, if you're one of these people who want to think this factory job would be something boring after a while, be a cop because the world opens up to you. You're on a social elevator. You move up and down the elevator with everybody you deal with. They can be millionaires. They can be rich. They can be poor. You deal with everybody from top to bottom. And it's a, it's a good job. Now, it'll, it'll take its toll on you, but you've got to know how to talk about it. So that would be my thing. Excellent. Thank you, Mick. This is Words Guys from Mickey Smith, a cop, a retired cop who loves life. Thanks a lot, Mick. You're welcome, Ken. Yeah.